0: what's going on man welcome back to the basement i'm ron and today we have our weekly waiver wire video we do on this channel we're going to go through our top 10 waiver wire pickups for week six we're going to cover some running backs some wide receivers some tight ends all of them will be under 50 percent owned in espn leagues to make sure we're covering guys who aren't already on rosters in your league so with that being said we have 10 players to get to let's not waste any time if you enjoyed the video at any point make sure you got them below subscribe leave a like let's go thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose I mean I know I'm my nitty now before we get into our waiver wire pickups for week six make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart every Tuesday afternoon I sit down and write an article for the patrons where I go through each position 10 to 15 deep and I give them my fab recommendations for each player so they're not bidding too much or too little on any of these guys and making sure that their waiver wire strategy is locked in. So if you want access to that, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be at the top of the description. It'll be at the top of the comments down below. Now our first player here, our first priority ad, which I qualify priority ads as any player that I'm willing to bid 15% or more of my fab budget on, or if you're in a waiver wire league or like a waiver rolling system or whatever, definitely change that. But if not, you can use your first priority on Kenneth Walker. If he is on the waiver wire in any of your leagues, it is time to unload. We know rookie running backs are a cheat code in fantasy. We've seen it across the board. We've seen it this year with a guy like Brees Hall. We've seen it with Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. We saw it with J.K. Dobbins on the stretch in his rookie year. We've seen it with Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara. We get league winners, rookie running backs all the time. Kenneth Walker has that profile and he's now thrusted into the running back one chair in Seattle. We have Rashad Penny effectively out for the season with a fibula injury. It's like a tibula. It's something like that. I think it's in his leg. It sucks. It's season ending, but that means that Kenneth Walker will be the lead back on an electric offense ran by Geno Smith, which is a weird sentence to say, but they're seventh in scoring in the NFL, which means that Kenneth Walker will be the lead back for a top 10 offense in the NFL. Now, I think a lot of redraft guys probably aren't super up to date with who Kenneth Walker is. He's a strong prospect. He was drafted in round two. He reminds me in terms of quality of prospect of guys like Javante Williams, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. He has a similar mold where he's a strong day two running back prospect. He's not the greatest prospect in the world, but he is solid. He's 5'9", 211 pounds, comes from the Big Ten, Michigan State, runs a 4'3", 40 And we saw that yesterday on his 69-yard touchdown run. He is going to have massive chunk plays, big plays. He's explosive. He had eight carries for 88 yards and a touchdown yesterday, and he already looks extremely efficient. He's third among running backs in avoided tackle rate with a minimum of 20 attempts, and he has 5.74 yards after contact per rush, which is second among those running backs as well. Yesterday, he had 27 snaps of DJ Dallas's 10. He is going to be the lead back. DJ Dallas will be a little bit annoying where he's going to take away some targets, some passing down situation stuff, but... You have a spot here with Walker where he has the upside for more than that. They're already trying to run him out there on rounds, get him involved in the passing game. He has the upside to not only be the lead back and the between the tackles guy in this offense, but he could be the flat out bell cow and be used in all phases, which makes him a must add. Then our only other priority add for this week is Eno Benjamin. And it's really not because Eno Benjamin's like a great running back or anything. It's because he found himself on Sunday as the only healthy running back in that room. James Conner left early with a rib injury, Darrell Williams left early with a knee injury. So you had a spot here where Eno Benjamin played 97% of the second half snaps. He ends up with 8 carries, 21 yards, a touchdown, and he had four targets for three catches and 28 yards through the air. Now it was only 14 points, but the main reason you want Eno Benjamin or why you want to bid on him is because of the other running backs in his backfield. It's going to depend how long James Conner is out or Darrell Williams is out, and we don't have the information yet, but as long as either of those guys are out, Eno Benjamin will see an uptick of touches in an injured backfield on an offense that runs a lot of plays and scores points. So he will be very interesting, which then takes us to our ads here, which are just guys that I'm bidding, you know, a few dollars on or sort of waiting until after waivers run through and just adding them afterwards. And first, up, we have Brian Robinson. Now he's like on the borderline. He could be a priority ad, but I'm a little bit hesitant to go crazy. Like I'm not bidding like 20%, 25% on Brian Robinson. If you want to, I see it on Sunday. He had nine carries for 22 yards and just his first game back from literally getting shot at. So we weren't really expecting much. And he actually came out here and led this backfield in opportunities with nine rushes, zero targets. So him having the most touches was really encouraging now, J.D. McKissick still led the entire backfield in snaps. He had 12 two-minute drill snaps, which should come down as Robinson works back to full health and as they see, you know, more even game scripts. I think Brian Robinson here, this is kind of his absolute floor, where he had like a 25 30% snap share, nine opportunities. He'll keep working back from this injury. He'll get more touches. The only real issue I have with his upside case, his pass-catching ceiling is capped by J.D. McKissick. I don't think that he is going to beat out J.D. McKissick for those third down or two minute drill snaps. And then you have a three-way split where Gibson won't have standalone upside really, but he's going to take carries. He'll be taking snaps. So you're pretty much getting Robinson who his upside is like a, I guess like a 50% snap share between the tackles grinder type on this team. It's not overly interesting, but I guess it is a role on an NFL team, which is interesting. So I think he deserves to be on rosters at the very least. And then we have Tyler Algier who was a lead back With 59% of the snaps for Atlanta this past weekend, he had 12 of 15 third and fourth down snaps. He had one out of two snaps inside the 10. He's got great usage. He was used as the primary back. He was used in the passing game. He was used in the goal line. Didn't get a ton of touches, though. He only had 13 opportunities. I wouldn't go crazy bidding on Tyler Algier. He is going to be kind of like the 1A in this backfield. The only issue is that Arthur Smith is super unpredictable. We've seen what he's been doing with London, we've seen what he's been doing with Pitts. And now they get San Francisco next week, so it's going to be a really, really tough defense to run against. And Damian Williams is due off of IR very soon, who saw seven of the first 10 snaps with the first team in week one. It wouldn't shock me at all if Arthur Smith just had complete allegiance to Damian Williams, let him slot right in there as the 1A, made Algier 1B, or the other way around, where Algier's the 1A, Damian Williams is the 1B, and there just might not be enough fantasy points to go around for either of them to be overly relevant. They're still both fine stashes. I like Damian Williams as a stash. Tyler Algier, you have to spend a little bit more for. It's an interesting situation with Cordero Patterson. Still good to be out for the next three weeks, but it's going to be messy. It's going to be tough to start either of them against San Francisco, but again, two guys who shouldn't be on waivers, but also aren't super sexy pickups. Then our last running back here is Rashad White, and he has seen his second straight week of 39% of the snaps. His second straight week of eight or more opportunities. He had five carries for 14 yards, which isn't great. And then he had four targets, three catches, 28 yards for 7.2 points versus Atlanta. Not a crazy standalone day, but the fact that he's now seeing like a 40 to 60 split is massive in an elite offense tied to Tom Brady. We have the possibility here from the carve out a Tony Pollard-like standalone role. You can flex all the time. And at the very least, he is up there with the Alexander Madisons of the world as you know the premier contingent value handcuff that needs to be, on all rosters, which then takes us to the wide receivers here. And I talk about this every single week, rookie wide receivers are a cheat code off of waivers. They give you a ton of upside. We saw Amon Ross St. Brown last year, we've seen it with Ayuk before we've seen it with Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, T Higgins, we see it all the time. These rookie wide receivers come out here. And they give really, really good win rate seasons to their managers. So I like to just come out here and keep swinging on that upside. I think the first guy That represents that here is George Pickens. He has been out on this list for like the past three, four, five weeks, and he's still not owned in over fifty percent of ESPN leagues. He's right on the fringe. He's at fifty point eight percent ownership on ESPN. That number needs to go up. He now has three straight weeks of seven or more targets, and he has two straight weeks with fourteen or more fantasy points. Also, fourteen or more fantasy points last two weeks have come. With Kenny Pickett there's definitely some chemistry there he's a rookie wide receiver ascending a little bit here the target show wasn't great the volume was there the production was there I do think that Pickens is heading in the right direction as an 85% route participation rookie wide receiver with a high a dot he has an interesting profile then we have some new names here and first up is Kalosha Kerr who is this really fun rookie wide receiver out of Boise State he has a similar college profile to Romeo Dobbs, where he was a four-year Group of Five producer. He had good breakout age, a good target share, four-four speed. Really, really exciting Group of Five guy. Like most of these Group of Five small school guys, aren't going to be early declares like Sky Moore, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown. A lot of them are going to look more like the Michael Gallups of the world, like Khalil Shakur, like a Darius Slayton. A lot of these guys, they go there for four years, they produce early, they produce the entire time, just at a steady pace. And then they become producers in the NFL. And with Isaiah McKenzie out, Kaloshiker finally had his opportunity. He comes in there. He runs 70% or more of the routes. He had 16.5 points on five targets, three catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. He had a 19% target per out run. He had a two yard or better yards per out run. He had a 70 plus PFF grade. He hit all of the stuff we wanted him to hit. He did it in his first game as a starter. Now, Isaiah McKenzie should be coming back, but Jamison Crowder is out for the year. And Isaiah McKenzie isn't this like super explosive slot wide receiver. They do like him in Buffalo, but he's not a special difference maker at the wide receiver position. So Kalosha Kerr showed enough to me that he's at least drawing live to make that a competition, right? Maybe they do it like Crowder and McKenzie where it was a 50-50 split, or maybe he just beats out McKenzie outright for that slot position. I think the upside there is enough to want to bid on him. Then our last rookie wide receiver is, is Alec Pierce. He's a big play wide receiver at 6'3", 208 pounds, 4'4", speed, second round draft capital. He doesn't have the most analytically sound profile out there, but the draft capital is there, the size is there, and he's starting to flash a little bit. Where he impressed me on Thursday, I thought that he looked like one of the only players really helping moving the chains for the Colts on Thursday. He had one of these catches where he was right there with the corner, looked at the corner, picked it off, and he just made a crazy grab. He was making clutch plays the entire second half. He had nine targets, eight catches, 81 yards. He had 16.1 points on the day. He ran 75% of the routes, which was the first time he was over 50% since week one. I would assume that he's now earned himself more playing time since then. And I thought he looked great. On the entire season now, he is at a 20% or better target per out run. He's better than a two yards per out run. He's hitting all the numbers we want. He's looked solid. He's increasing his route participation. The only real issue is that his upside is capped by Matt Ryan. Outside of that, on an individual basis, he has hit every single box we are looking to check off. Next, we have Rondale Moore, who had eight targets for seven catches and 68 yards. He had 13.1 points. Nothing crazy here, only a 19% target share, but he's carving out this sort of satellite role where he's playing in that Greg Dortch role, who was like a top 24 wide receiver through three weeks. Not a ton of upside in this role, but he's a fine add as a PPR option that you can kind of flex here and there when you're in a pinch with these bye weeks and these injuries this deep into the season. Then we have Corey Davis, who is another like unsexy wide receiver pickup, but he led all Jets wide receivers this past week in route participation for the first time this entire season. He ran 92% of the snaps and he's a similar profile to Gabe Davis, where he isn't going to have like over a 20% target share. But he's third in the NFL on dot about 15 yards downfield, which means if he has one of those games where he has like six targets and he connects on like four or five of them, he's gonna end up with like five, four, 95 and a touchdown. So you kind of get a lot of upside where if he hits, he really does hit, which makes him kind of a quality like wide receiver four on your team. Again, nothing crazy, but he is quietly the wide receiver 30 on the entire year. There's not a ton of upside, but he is somebody you can flex when you need to. Now, our last wide receivers here, are going to be Kadarius Toney and Wondell Robinson, a pair of wide receivers that are probably on waivers. Neither of them played this week for the Giants. And it really isn't even about Kadarius Toney and Wondell Robinson, so I think are both talented. Kadarius Toney showed a lot last year to like about him, and Wondell Robinson had one of the stronger analytical profiles in this class. But when we look at the top four wide receivers for the Giants right now, you have Marcus Johnson, Darius Slayton, Richie James Jr., and David Sills these guys, I, I can't believe that this is a skill position group or a wide receiver group for a four and one team. Darius Lane's like the only name that has ever done anything before. Richie James is a slot wide receiver that got banished from the 49ers over, you know, Jawan Jennings, Trent Taylor, that sort of tree of talent. Kendrick Bourne as well. David Sills is like a day three guy at West Virginia. Marcus Johnson, Literally could not even tell you who Marcus Johnson is, where he comes from. I want to say he played for the Colts at one point. It's ugly all around, but this offense is good. Dable is calling up amazing stuff. I can't believe that he is four and one with this wide receiver group. He's running wildcat with Saquon Barkley. He's coaching his ass off. I do truly feel that this wide receiver room is wide open. Both of these wide receivers are very talented. One of them should be in line to be a difference maker for fantasy if they can simply just get onto the field. And for our last pickup here, we'll talk about a tight end. We'll talk about Taysom Hill, somebody I haven't really talked about this season, but I think he deserves being talked about after having an insane day. And the issue for me with Taysom Hill and why I've been hesitant to even talk about him as like a star or a waiver pickup is you just can never really feel good about starting him just given how unpredictable his usage has been. But he is. The tight end three in points per game at 14.7 points per game, despite only having one catch that came in week one. And he only ran three routes in week five. But in week five, he had nine carries for 112 yards. He had three touchdowns on the ground. He had a passing touchdown. He had two carries inside of the 10 to Kamara's one, or might have been even three carries inside of the 10. He's just in this weird spot where you can't project his weekly opportunity. It's very hard. You can't really project him for routes. You can't really project him for carries. You can't really project him for pass attempts, but he somehow gets out there and he does all right. But given how ugly tight end is, he's definitely somebody who's viable where, especially if there's games out there where like Jameis Winston isn't playing or Michael Thomas or Kamara and they're down difference makers. That's when it seems like Taysom Hill goes out there and performs Again, it's extremely difficult to know when to start him, but he's not somebody who should be on waivers, just given what we've seen from him so far. So if you're struggling at tight end, I do think that he is definitely someone that needs to be picked up. He played the most snaps he's played all season last week. I believe it was like just over 30% of the snaps. And when you play like that and you have over 100 yards and three touchdowns, you're kind of the X factor in this win over the Seahawks. He is in a spot here where snap shares and everything aren't static, right? That can grow from 31% to 40% to 50%, sort of like Cordero Patterson last year, where if Taysom Hill is going to keep balling out like this, he can earn more snaps, which does make him interesting. Now that is going to do it for us today, fellas. Again, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart to get this complete list of free agent ads, like five to 10 to 15 at each position, going over exactly how much of my waiver wire budget I would be bidding on those players. On top of that for the Patreon, You get my rest of season rankings every Wednesday. You get my weekly rankings every Thursday that are updated Sunday morning. And on top of that, you get a Sunday morning start, sit, live stream, where I help out the patrons on game day to make sure everybody's ready to go pending whatever injuries are happening, whatever last minute news we get to make sure we're all locked and loaded for our week at hand. Now with that being said, if you enjoyed the video, make sure you're down below, subscribe, leave a like and see you guys in the next one. Channel, chat on. foolies glad I'm home, even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my back up on Rap song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaners, dreamer, hell back ass is low still as the